Thank you for downloading this sermon recorded at Christ Central Church on June 23rd, 2013. I want to start with a quick note to let you know that we did have some technical difficulties on this day that kept us from recording the scripture reading as well as the first few minutes of the sermon. Now, it really is only the first few minutes, so I believe there's plenty of content here for you to be blessed with, but I'm going to start by recording the scripture reading so that that is not missed. So without any further ado, this is John 21, verses 15 through 25. When they had finished breakfast... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw this, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord. God's church and and God himself, you you, you took vows, those who were just ordained and installed, and those who have already been ordained and installed. You took vows as as mere men, as those who, like Peter, have lived in in denial of the love and ministry of God at times, who, like Peter, when confronted by the world and difficult people and situations, may have let the name and work of Jesus down. And it is you, men like you, whom Christ has apparently called to lead us. Today, I want you along with this congregation To not only be impacted by what you have vowed to do, but how Jesus will incredibly accomplish it through you. Because when I asked you those vows, I want you to know that it was not I who asked them. I was but the vessel, but like Jesus to Peter, it was the Lord himself looking into your eyes and hearts, asking and demanding that you feed the sheep and follow him. So Jesus counters Peter's three denials once again with three questions and 
three charges on the road to restoration and installation. Do you love me? The question, which we'll get to more in a second. But then the question is followed by a charge. Feed and tend to, that is, care for the lives and hearts of my sheep, my people. And what he means by that is is, is give them his word and sacraments and and find ways for them to get disciples, address their felt and real needs, show them my mercy and my generosity, bring them together, keep them safe in this dark and dangerous world, make sure there are not physical and spiritual obstacles in the way of their receiving my grace, make sure the structures and and, and pens, if you will, and and pastures are are well tended, make make sure the wolves are are kept away and, and straying sheep and isolated people are brought back in and close. Elders, deacons of Christ's central church, feed and care for Jesus's sheep. But feed his sheep out of your love for him and his love for them. Feed his sheep, yes, but only out of love for him and out of his love for them. Look with me once again at verse 15 in this passage. When they had finished breakfast, the fish that Jesus miraculously helped them catch, and the Bible says Jesus cooked it. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, John of, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. What is obvious here is that Jesus wants his sheep fed, but only out of a heart and motivation of love for him. And the Bible says that once Jesus asked Peter the third time, Peter gets grieved, probably because he believes Jesus does not believe him when he says it the first two times or or doubts him, or maybe it is Jesus' way to remind Peter that he denied him three times, to remind him of his sin and his restoration. But either way, it is embarrassingly emphatic that we elders and deacons must feed his sheep, his people, the church, out of love for Jesus. And loving Jesus means that you have a real living relationship with with Jesus. And and in that, that that, that you believe the gospel, the story of the gospel, the words of the Bible, that if they were not true, you would not know how to live or what to do with yourself. I I am talking about a a love for God that is, is not just about rule following and keeping but heart appreciation and appreciation and and gratuitous understanding of what God has done for you through Jesus, a a living and embracing, life-giving, driving belief in Jesus and express obedience for God that is worshipful and thankful. And I'm telling on myself here, but officers in God's church should be the biggest snotty nose worshiping Google and Gaga for God, gospel telling, testifying of the Lord's goodness fools in the church. Because you love God. You love Jesus. And that comes out, that is expressed, that, that is embodied in your life. 
But that comes from a heart that believes that you are and were with the rest of God's people, sinners, the, the, the impossibles and imposters to God's holiness without the grace of Jesus Christ that covers and keeps you, that you do not try to live life by being better than others or right or righteous on your own, but only by the grace of God in Christ. And Jesus asked Peter this in verse 15. Do you love me more than these? Now, there's been some debate. Is he talking about the fish? Is he talking about the other disciples sitting around the fire? Is he referring to the time when he denied and he's talking about the world around him? But it doesn't matter. It's everything, which means a love for God, you know, fights back and hates stuff like ambition and lust and gain and success or sin or being a successful deacon or elder or, or, or a hero or trying to be the good guy or, or being worried about whether people think badly or well about you. Anything, any of these things that could get in the way of the gospel and love that holds you to God through Jesus Christ. With that said, Men, take care of your souls. Take care of your souls. I'm not talking about navel-gazing, spiritual selfishness, or wound-licking. That will just make the wound infected and isolate you from fellowship. But soul care, which is about giving and and re-giving and and reconciling ultimate leeway and attention to Jesus and who he is and what he does. Soul care is when you get out of alignment, almost like a chiropractic adjustment. Soul care is about refocusing your life on the love of God for you in Jesus Christ. I don't know if you guys read graphic novels in here. There's one in particular, Watchmen. They made a movie, movie out of it. It's a bunch of broken superheroes. It's the ultimate broken superheroes in, in this graphic novel, novel. But the question comes up about the Watchmen. Who's watching the Watchmen? Right? Like, like who's watching them? Like, who, who's overseeing them? And, and I need to tell you, just like the vow you took, and it says, care for your brethren, give subjection to your brethren. Watch over your life, but each other's lives. It means you need to be in fellowship in this body and with each other. Take care of each other. Souls tell on each other. Ask each other. Bring each other to the gospel over and over again. Confront and rebuke if necessary and discipline. And restore each other because things will get bleak and the devil is real. And he will want you to do this thing for everything but the love of God and Jesus Christ. And it will drain you empty and bitter. So congregation... Pray for and encourage them towards Christ. We're always so busy pulling them toward us that we fail to drive these men and these officers toward Christ. When they don't get it right with you, you think something's wrong or doesn't seem like they're calling you back in time or something's not happening or the communication is, is falling down, maybe the right thing to do is pray for them and encourage them toward Jesus. 
Because the only way they're going to feed you rightly is if the love of God, their love for Jesus, is restored. And as you feed the sheep out of love for him, remember and know that it is not about feeding and caring for God's people out of your undying love for them. Hear that? It's not about your undying love for them, but Jesus' dying love for them. He keeps the possessive right in there, right? Every time, feed my sheep, Peter. Feed my lambs. These are mine. These are the ones I love. Jesus wants them to know his love, his grace, by the way and through the officer's care for the sheep, because you and I can't love the sheep like Jesus must love them for them to get his grace. So give them him, his love, his grace, which means give them what he has designed and given you and me to feed to them, the word and the sacraments and the discipline and fellowship of the body. And for deacons in particular, make sure those things have avenues and ways to be gotten by the sheep and from the elder. elder. But let me tell you now, what will not work As Jesus makes it clear here, your personal love. Love in your own power. If you make this about how well in your own strength you love the flock or love people or what kind of loving person you are and begin to work off anything other than what Jesus has given to feed his flock, if you become more than a line cook or a sous chef, you will hate and despise the ministry in the office. You will burn out and burn and then begin to abuse and neglect people and become ironically anything but loving and available. Like Peter before his loving reconciliation, you will deny Jesus and subsequently deny the sheep. I remember that our session a couple years back realized that as much as we thought we should or thought we wanted to, we were not called to be $85 an hour counselors. I'm not talking about the pay, nobody's getting paid. I'm talking about the type of attention. Or your best friends. It's going to sound hard for a minute. Or your big brothers and sisters, or your kinsmen redeemers. Elders or deacons are supposed to work so that you can be presented Jesus and given Jesus. And we, like a good friend or brother and sister, are supposed to present him to you and tell you about him. Jesus tells Peter this, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep, tend to my people. So to do more than that, to be more than just a vessel of the gospel, is to idolize yourself or the people you're called to care for. Sometimes you idolize people. It's easy easy to idolize how they think about you. Oh, that elder is so loving. Oh, that deacon is always instant because they're so great that you begin to really believe. See, there's a thin line here. There is a line of sacrifice. Sometimes you got to do it when you don't feel like doing it, and we'll get to that in a minute. But at the same time, there's this thin line in which you actually begin to idolize that you can do it, that you are all things for all people, that, that somehow if you don't fix this person's problem right now today, day in the way they want it. You're done. But if you do that, 
God will take you out if you try to be him. Let me tell the congregation this. God will take your elders and deacons out if they try to be Jesus for you instead of giving Jesus to you. Don't ask them to be Jesus for you, but expect them to give Jesus and his grace and the means of grace to you if you want them to last long. Because God will take you out. And and no, I don't think it's a lightning bolt. What I see is it it will feel, this is what God taking you out feels like. Eli and his sons, the Bible says they were eating God's portion. They were taking God's glory. They were kind of feeling like they were God. And there were some sinful side effects of that. But I'm not talking about sinful side effects. I'm talking about eating God's portion. And the Bible says they got extremely fat. They couldn't move. It was too, the word is kavod, it means glory in Hebrew. And and, and it means that they took on God's glory and caring for the people, and it was too much for them to bear, even though they were the priests that were called to minister to God's people. So it won't feel like a lightning bolt when God takes you out. It won't feel like a burden and busyness that you can't bear. And makes you lose or question your love for God. It may even make you sin. And it means, don't worry. Don't be the glory or carry the glory. Lead people into it. Point and follow Jesus with them behind you into his fields of resting and rest and bless. It means to keep them going with and going to and coming to and with and worshiping Jesus to, to make them happy and solve all their problems and do what they want. It's not what you're called to do, but lead them in worship and loving and following obedience to Jesus to help them stay true and strong on the gospel. That's why we send folks to counseling and pay for it sometimes and have shepherding plans and help with bills and broken cars and meals and all that. Not primarily so things can be better, though you might feel better, but so that you can better know Jesus and his love for you in your life. But not only feed his sheep, he's calling Peter to follow him, to follow Jesus in, number one, the life of his death and the life of his love. So I'm sure Peter is already feeling shaken and humbled by this threefold, do you love me like Jesus? Not sure. Do you love me? Mm. Do you love me? Okay, one more time to make sure. Do you love me? So Peter, the Bible says, is grieved. But Jesus piles it on that much more, does he? Look at verse 18 with me. Truly, truly, I say to you, When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Here is this glorious irony. I want you to hear this. Here's the irony of this passage. Remember Peter promised to die for Jesus, but didn't and denied him? Peter will finally get the privilege to do what his denial prevented him from doing. He will get to die for Jesus. 
to not go out a liar and a hypocrite. It was the final ironic piece of his restoration. Before being reconciled and recalled by Jesus, he would not be able or even allowed to give his life for the gospel. But now he would be able and called to give his life for the gospel unto death. This is a very interesting illustration Jesus uses because it's a picture of an old man who still has his mind, right, and will, and will, but who can no longer dress or lead himself anymore and has to go and look like he may not want to go or look like anymore. And the Bible described that as showing how Peter will suffer and then die for the gospel. Suffer because let me make clear what Jesus is making clear, and we need to understand about suffering and martyrdom in the gospel. Peter won't like it. It says they will take you where you don't want to go. So let me make it clear. The suffering and martyrdom of the gospel is not like, hey, all right, we're going to suffer for Jesus. Let me sign up. He doesn't want to. It's going to hurt. Everything in his mind and heart and his mind is going to say, no, don't suffer for the gospel. But he's going to suffer anyway because Jesus is calling him to and calling him to the office and place in life that he's called him to. I wish I could tell you that the suffering of being a leader in God's church and the call to die for it would be something you're going to enjoy. Or your wife and kids are going to enjoy. No, not necessarily. I won't get into all the details about martyrdom. We could talk about martyrdom and all the stuff going on in this passage. But I will tell you this. Officers of the church, this is a clear picture of your calling. And I want the congregation to hear it. I want you to hear what it means. You are now bound. In your vow, that's why I'm glad I got to preach afterwards, bound to go and do for the calling of your office and for the love of Jesus for his sheep and church to go and do sometimes where and how you don't want to. You will have to deal with people and failures and things not working out and you feeling hurt by other struggles and hardships and you'll be taking away from your families more and you may not get the promotion at the job because the call here means you can't work as many hours as you must to get that, that big raise and it may mean that you can't be the best friend in the group of friends and pursue your dreams. You will walk in the way of the cross. In the life of his death, you will have to deny yourself and your desires many times to follow him and feed his Sheep. What's that mean? (laughs) Sometimes you can't freely do vacations over the weekends like you used to Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. You might have to be back in church on Sunday. Sunday may no longer be a traveling day for you. Like everyone else, your friends who get to come back on Monday. You can't watch as much television. You have to use that DVR, and when you start using that, trust me, you start getting the work of ministry, stuff start going, boy, that stuff's there on that DVR a long time. And you forget which show you actually like. You can't drink as much beer and liquor as you used to. Yeah, that's right. I know some of y'all like some beer, like some scotch, like some whiskey sours, whatever. You ain't getting drunk. 
but you're having a little beer, there are times you can't drink as much as you want to and hang out and be the party as much as you want to now. You have to go and not go and not do what you used to do. You're no longer, it's no longer about being yourself, but who you are called for, the calling to love Jesus and doing so to care for sheep. It will be a slaughter of your life. What do I mean by that? Goodbye heroism. Goodbye competency. Goodbye orderliness and timeliness and your schedule and your, you know, time and much of that stuff. A slaughter so bad sometimes, get this, that you won't be able to recognize your own life anymore. You will actually feel at times like you live in somebody else's life. Why am I going here? Oh, yeah, so-and-so needs help. Why am I not in front of the TV on Monday night watching football? Oh, yeah, I'm in session meeting. This ain't my life. It's the other 200 and something people's lives now. I don't even know who I am. Sometimes in the mirror, I'm like, Oh, there he is. What's up? (laughs) Sometimes I'm playing the PlayStation. I have to stop and hit the pause button. It's me again. Wow. It's slaughter in a good way, not to be burned out way. See, burning out is serving Jesus on the wrong fuel. That's burning out. A life of death is being fueled by the love and call of Jesus to do what you wouldn't and not do what you normally would. Let me tell you something. Bill Marquardt is not a night owl. Right, Bill? Raise your hand over there. Look at Bill. He's struggling already. (laughs) He got to hear me tomorrow night, right? From 732, 9, good try. (laughs) Session meeting, 730, maybe 1130. We got new guys. They got questions. Bill Marquardt is not a night owl, and Steve isn't either. Walker. As an elder session meetings hit, Bill's eyes get watery and his temper shorter. (laughs) But good news for you, he's not himself because he's there for you. And he is one watery-eyed owl for this congregation. And we have been dressed up and down in this ministry. People have cussed us out, left the church, deemed us incompetent, not timely, not given enough, mean, too conservative, out of touch, and oftentimes too Jesus-y and biblical. Sometimes you find out on Google and Facebook. Or after they've called about 20 people to pray about how they feel about you, then you find out. After there's a church-sized prayer circle about you. And all the while, you are still like everybody else, going through life's regular ups and downs. And Peter's response, let me finish, is typical and understandable. Look at verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper. And I had asked, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said, it is my will that he remain. If it is my will that he remain till I come, what is it to you? You follow me. And so rumors spread that he wouldn't die, but that's not what Jesus really said. Once again, in front of others, he's been told he will die and suffer for the gospel. And right there, there's John, right? 
that wrote this book, the leaning on Jesus at the supper, good boy, WWJD bracelet wearing, kissing up to Jesus, got time to write the gospel, no, no, no nicks on his nice skin, and Peter gets off track a minute when he thinks and comments on what about him? I'm going to die. You don't say it up in front of everybody. I'm going to die. I'm going to be like an old grumpy man going to his death. Great, Lord. But I understand, don't you? I mean, misery and future misery is only fair and acceptable if it has company. Seriously, what about good boy? What about good boy back there, right? Am I getting this because I denied you three times? It is. Is this how you're going to make me pay Jesus? Peter is still not sure of the Lord's love for him. And it makes him, the Bible says in verse 20, turn, turn. Peter, turn, turn that is away from listening to and looking to Jesus, turning instead to worldly comparison and discontent and shame and fear out of what leading and being an officer in Jesus' church might mean. Simply, Peter is straying. He is focusing on it in a way that will lead him to bitterness and burnout and ultimately back to denying Jesus. And it makes sense. The description of his death for Jesus tells us that he will not like suffering, right? That, that again, that he will not enjoy suffering and being killed and giving, of, giving his life up. It is human to be Peter-like. But if Peter turns away to assess his life and this life outside of Jesus, the sheep will be lost and so will he. And Jesus is like, stop worrying about everyone else and even your own life. Follow me. Keep your eyes on me. Seek me, move forward with me. Don't turn away at ambition and worry that you will lose yourself in your social circles of comfortability or miss out on something in this life. All your friends like you and around you are doing and getting and feeling that you deserve. Trust me, guys. And wives, too. Hear this. You'll be with your friends in the neighborhood. You beat your friends at the game or college friends and all that. You'll notice their freedoms. You'll notice their rest. You'll notice how easy it is for them to do these things with their kids and do on vacation and do things on Sunday and have all this nice life that socioeconomically you matched up with them should get to. Like Peter, you will be tempted to turn. Why are they getting all this? And I got to live like this. Why do they get to go on vacation on Sunday and I got to be back at church? Why is it they get to buy all this stuff? And I have to be accountable with my money. And I, gotta, and I have a feeling I want to give more money to the church. Why? I want to be free like the rest of the Christians in Charlotte. To consume. To be happy and saved. Your office is in God's church. You can't turn. But you'll be tempted to turn. I do all the time. Let me tell you, press to your meeting. This is not a this is not about Christ Central Church and my pay. Not at all. Because this has happened in every press year. I've been in three different presbyteries, starting in Georgia. I'll talk about the one in Georgia. When I first was a day and I had a salary, and in Presbytery, they read the salaries out. 
Because we have to agree. We have to vote and say, yeah, that's good, because they can't pay a man a dollar and tell him to be the pastor. You're a full-time pastor. Here's a dollar. God bless you. We have to make sure he has enough vacation time and all that. I need to wrap this up. I'd be turning a lot. So-and-so, for his service to the gospel, gets this much. But he, he's, just, he's just getting out of seminary, man. I've been working on this thing for a while, man. It's easy to turn. What Jesus calling Peter to, is, Peter to is impossible. Follow me to suffering that you don't want to do. Follow me to being left out of society in the way you want to. Follow me and not getting the job promotion you, you want to get because you have to put more work in on this end. Follow me over here. But there's something supernatural. Do you see it? It's very similar to when Peter was in the boat and Jesus was walking on the water. And he said, Peter, come walk on the waves. Come to me. When Jesus tells Peter, follow me, this is not a suggestion. This is not something he can do and, and drum up in himself. He, it's an exclamation mark on purpose. Follow me. Your heart, and Jesus speaking to the heart and mind of Peter like he did Lazarus who was dead. And he's saying, you, follow me. I'm giving you the power supernaturally to walk through that stuff. As you keep your eyes on me and my words come to your heart, you will follow me and feed my sheep. We've come full circle. Because you know what's going on here? Peter is now the sheep. Peter is the lamb. Peter has strayed. And all that you're called to do, don't forget your sheep. Your lambs. You need the love and voice of the Savior to go to slaughter, to follow, to do what he's called you to do supernaturally. The biggest mistake you can make is to forget that you're a sheep who happens to be under shepherding under the great shepherd of the sheep. Know this. He will never leave you to your own devices and never require you to be able to care for yourself or be strong enough and not stray sometimes and not be tempted to throw the towel in and not be afraid to resist it in doing what you've been called to do. He knows you and, I, and he will not shrink at calling on your life. You and I can rest, even and especially officers are warned not to try to be Jesus equal, but rest in just following him. Remember, you are sheep, and he loves you. You are sheep, and he's caring and calling your soul to him to feed the sheep and follow to slaughter.